You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So the first thing I'd like to do today, which could potentially take all day, you never really know these things, is to look at free agency. But I want to get very, very specific about certain things because you hear a lot of different names and you hear a lot of people say, I want this guy, I want that guy, this value, that value. Let's get specific. Um, I'll get specific for my own sake to kind of lay out the argument for maybe the pluses and minuses of the people that I like, maybe even put some people in certain tiers, but also be specific about, okay, so we talk about value, but what is the dollar amount we're talking about here? What are the benefits? Are, Are they good in coverage? Are they good at tackling? Are they good against the run? Are they good pass rushers? And then the other thing that nobody really talks about, including myself, is consistency. And I actually think that is a huge component that I, I personally have neglected. But it's it's important because you, I can go to Pro Football Focus and I can look at a snapshot and say they are a quote-unquote good player. But does that mean you are good throughout the season? Does that mean you are real good four games out of the year, elite once out of the year, and garbage the rest of the year? Because I don't know if I want that. That's not going to help me. I mean, it will on occasion. Hopefully you have one of those really good games on a t- at a time when the game is going to be close or, you know, we really need you to step it up. That'd be cool. But consistency is incredibly important. So I want to look at some of those things. Before we jump into that, uh, Packernet.com for all your news notes and Green Bay Packers information. NFLBigBoard.com if you'd like to check out some draft information. Got, uh, I don't know, in and around 500 prospects. Uh, It is an aggregation from around the web, so it tends to be a little bit more accurate, although slightly outdated. Jeffrey Simmons is still first round. It's going to take a little bit of time because most other people haven't updated their big boards yet. But in terms of, uh, you know, trying to find out who would be a good value mid-fifth round, I don't think you're going to find a better resource than NFLBigBoard.com. On top of that, you've got news, you've got scouting reports, you've got everything you could possibly need all brought into one place. If you're doing a, a mock draft or doing a little bit of homework, I, I don't know why you'd go anywhere else. Um, I'm going to plug a couple other things. Number one, if you could please leave a rating and review for this show, it would be greatly appreciated. I'm trying to um, bolster the numbers a little bit, kind of get moved up in uh, whatever platforms there are out there, iTunes and whatnot. Also, YouTube channel. Pack Daddy NFL. It is not a Packers channel. It is a uh, NFL draft channel. I just got done doing a very long, I think it was about two and a half hours. I feel like we were flying really quick, but we must have gone off on some tangents. But about two and a half hour conversation, uh, we acted as sort of a, it was, it was more of a war room environment where I was sort of the know-nothing GM is how I described myself, sort of the Jerry Jones type. He was going to be the lead scout, kind of providing all the, and uh, Mark Jarvis is who the other guy that I'm talking about is. Very, very talented guy, puts in ridiculous hours uh, trying to put this stuff together. But anyways, uh, that's the kind of stuff that I like to do, different kind of interactive things. The last video was a group mock. There were 32 other guys that... uh, each picked a team, and they got to do their picks and trades and all that stuff, and it got a little wonky, but that's always a lot of fun. But uh, anyways, if you're into the draft and you're looking to check something out draft-related, um, head over and check out Pack Daddy NFL. Be sure to subscribe, please. That would be greatly appreciated. 
think I'm uh, over the 1,400 mark for subscribers uh, by the end of this draft season. I don't think it's super possible, but I'd like to be in and around 5,000, if at all possible. So if you could do that, that would be pretty awesome. Oh, man. And somebody just texted in, so let me plug it real quick. Uh, if, you'd like, if you have a question, or if you would like to um, get something off your chest, a little What Grinds My Gears segment, be sure to call or text 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718. This literally just came across on my phone. We might as well address it now um, because I'm not, I know I'm not going to have a good answer and I'm not going to be able to put in the amount of time that is needed for a question like this. But the question, uh, the question is, would Devontae Adams and Antonio Brown be the most talented wide receiver tandem ever? If not, who? Would it be Moss Carter, T.O. Rice, Freeman Brooks? I I don't know, man. I, I Off the top of my head, I'm just going to say no. But I, I, the one thing that I've said consistently on here is that I am not a historian. My, that's just not how my brain works. If, if you put numbers and information in front of me, I think I'm, I do a really good job of trying to squeeze as much information and, and analysis and things and, and trying to look at things in, in kind of creative ways. Trying to remember what stuff was like in the 90s, man, I got nothing. That's just not, I, I, I just, I live very much in the present with stuff. Um, and my brain tends to purge really rapidly. Um, I've, I've mentioned before, I've had friends kind of talk to me about, hey, remember last year when this happened? And it's probably like a 50-50 hit rate. It just depends. If we're talking broader concepts, like remember when Eddie Lacy came in and that was like we had a good running back for the first time in a long time? It's like, yeah, I remember that. Do you remember specifically this one play where this one thing happened and what year it was? I don't have a clue, man. I kind of vaguely remember something happening, but I, I got nothing. So trying to answer this question... Um, it would be tough, but I guess the way that I could look at this question for between you know Antonio Brown and Devontae Adams would be to look at upside. Uh, you have two different guys going in two different directions. Uh, Devontae Adams is continuing to ascend. Antonio Brown, I think, has peaked and is starting to descend. But the biggest question I have would be, are we talking two top five receivers? And obviously the potential is yes, but if I had to guess, it would be more likely that neither of them is top five than both of them is top five just based on their individual talents. However, you put them on the same team, all of a sudden, how much better is Devontae with Antonio there? And how much better is Antonio with Devontae on the other side? And how much better is, is Antonio with with uh, Aaron Rodgers, even though uh, Ben Roethlisberger isn't a nobody, he's not Aaron Rodgers. So again, I can't give a um, yes or no, up or down vote on this issue. But I will say that it would be unlikely at the conclusion, if, if this were to go on for more than one year, if it wasn't just a one-year deal, let's say this went on for two, maybe three years between Antonio Brown and Devontae Adams, and if, if Devontae can at least hold where he's at, even if he can't quite get better, if he can just hold there and, and, Devontae, and, and Antonio Brown can hold where he is. So we're talking about Antonio, let's just say he's the fifth best. I don't, I don't know. Let's, let's just give him that over three years. And Devontae is kind of like sixth and seventh, right? They're, they're right about at that level. And you can do that for three years. I mean, we're talking about two guys that are, you know, 100 catch, 1,000 to 1,500 yard and double-digit touchdown guys. Both of them. I mean, Aaron Rodgers not getting 40 touchdowns a year is almost an impossibility because you're getting 20, 20 to 25 touchdowns just from those two guys automatically. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, who isn't, 
historically a big numbers guy in, ter ter in terms of total yardage. You got Devontae Adams, that's going to be 1,200 yards. You got Antonio Brown, that's going to be 1,200 yards. So it's hard to not get to 5,000 when, again, you've, you've got 2,500 yards just in those two guys. That doesn't account for equanimous that doesn't account for any of the tight ends or marquez or anybody else we draft or, or the running backs so i i know what you're doing man you're trying to get me excited about antonio brown again and and i've never not been excited but i, I will say they're just there's just no way and I, I i i love thinking about it but i think the more i think the more i think two things happen the, the further apart i split because the more I think about it, the more it becomes clear the Packers would never touch this guy. But it also becomes more clear how dynamic and scary it could be. But I've, I've talked about the issues. I've talked about the, um, the off-the-field stuff and the Packers not wanting to deal with that. The importance of the locker room as it is. You know, not wanting to drop an atomic bomb. You, I mean, just forget, all the, forget the mustache. Forget the fact that he's throwing stuff out of his window and almost kills a kid. Forget the, the goofy stuff. For, forget all that. Just think, this is a guy who's willing in week 17 with the postseason on the line, going up against, I believe, a divisional opponent. Week 17, we need this. If we want to play in the playoffs, we have to win. Antonio Brown says, he's being mean to me, I'm not playing, and walks away from his team and won't even answer the phone. He's a child. Antonio Brown is a nine-year-old little boy. And anybody that's making excuses, well, well, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's not easy to work with, and Ben Roethlisberger... Dude, you are making really lame excuses. Antonio Brown is a pain, but nobody walked away from him. Le'Veon Bell can be a pain. Nobody walked away. Even if Ben Roethlisberger is a pain, why did Juju Smith-Schuster keep playing? Why did the office, offensive line show up? Why did the running back show up? Why did everybody seem to be able to show up, but Antonio Brown doesn't have the, the, the guts, and not, not just the guts, but the, the feeling of team, the feeling of responsibility as a grown man to say, I'm going to set my differences aside as a professional and go play for my team, go play for my fans, put all my ego aside and go win this game because we're going to go win a Super Bowl. Here, here, here's, here's another way to look at it. What matters to Antonio Brown? Winning or Antonio Brown? Because if it's all about winning, I can deal with some of the drama because you know what? We're going to win together. If it's all about Antonio Brown... What happens, and here's a guy who's saying, I want guaranteed money. This, this, is, this is a disaster waiting to happen. We have learned from Antonio Brown, who had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl last year, but sabotaged it by not showing up and not playing, that it's not about winning, it's about Antonio Brown. So now we bring him in here, we give him guaranteed money in the last contract he's ever going to get. Let's give him a three-year contract. He's never getting another one. It's a big payday, and it's all guaranteed. He doesn't have to care. We know he doesn't care about anything but himself and the money, and he already got that. So you tell me what's, what inside Antonio Brown is going to keep him being a good teammate. What is it that he's going to set, set aside? If he has a disagreement with, with, with Matt LaFleur, if he has a disagreement with Brian Gutekunst, if he has a disagreement with Aaron Rodgers, if he has a disagreement with, with, uh, with uh, Devontae Adams... What inside of Antonio Brown is going to say, you know what, I don't like this, but I'm going to do what's best for the team, for the coach, for, the, for Rodgers, for the fans, for, for whatever? What, what is it? What is it? You're going to tell me that it's a Super Bowl? He wants to win a ring? Again, he had the opportunity. 
He said no because his feelings were hurt, because he didn't get his way. Again, this is a guy who's bringing out his trainer, and he gets his way, and, and, the, and the, the coaches facilitated that. He, they let him get away with it, being late to meetings, which is already a problem in Green Bay. Bakhtiari said, we got to stop that. So you got a coaching staff coming in that's going to be more strict and is going to be enforcing rules even on their superstars, which is something that Antonio Brown doesn't like and is probably a big part of the reason he walked away from the team to begin with. So Mr. Big Chest, who got his payday, who got everything he wants, he doesn't need anything else out of life, he just wants to get his way, is going to walk in, we're going to give him rules, he's going to laugh and say, nope, not doing that. Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown are going to butt heads. Devontae Adams, Bakhtiari, the veterans who are going to try to put him in his place, he's going to say, I don't want to hear anything about it. He's going to be walking off of practice. I mean, I'm telling you, why wouldn't he? There's nothing. I mean, at, at a time, again, let's go back to week 17. If you want to get traded, if you want to go play somewhere else, and you want to make big money, how should you act compared to how did he act? He doesn't care. He just cares about Antonio Brown and what Antonio Brown wants to do. If you care about winning a championship, what do you do? You have to show up week 17. He doesn't care. He cares about Antonio Brown, not the Super Bowl, not the Steelers, not Big Ben, not the fans, not the owners, not anything, not the contract he signed and agreed to, nothing. He cares about nothing. He doesn't care that they gave him a massive extension um, and and a bunch of money to, to lock him up for even longer. He doesn't care about any of that. He cares about nothing but himself and is willing to go to any extreme to be a petty little child. That's just the bottom line. And under no circumstance am I going to risk that, which seems like a foregone conclusion in my mind. Now, it doesn't have to go that way if nothing really rubs him the wrong way. I mean, if we're winning and everybody just treats him with respect and we just let him do whatever. But at, at, at what point is he going to walk in and just agree to whatever rules? I mean, the, the, only all, uh, the only way this works, in my mind, is we don't have rules, which is a terrible idea, or Antonio Brown decides, you know what, I'm going to stop being obnoxious. I'm not going to have my own personal trainer. I'm not going to be flying helicopters onto the field. I'm not going to be doing any of this nonsense. I'm going to be on time every day. One of those two things has to give, otherwise they're going to be button heads. Neither of those two things are going to give. Therefore, there will be butting heads. And what does Antonio Brown do when, when people butt heads with him? He walks away. He pops off of the mouth. He gets into fights. Now, that's Antonio Brown before his big payday. Now he just got locked up and he got his guaranteed money contract. What is he now? He's, he's beyond a monster. I couldn't be more certain of this. I don't want him on this team. I would love his talent. I don't want that human being on my team. If you can bottle up that talent and put it in, put it in just about anybody else, I'll take it. And I'll pay him a lot of money. Not Antonio Brown. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't afford it. Don't want it. Don't want to poison the locker room. Not going to happen. Never, ever, ever in a billion years. If the Packers do it, I'll be excited for a half a second until I realize that this is going to erupt. It's going to destroy the locker room, and it's going to be detrimental to this team. That was a very long tangent, but that was another thought that I had had about Antonio Brown. And just, again, looking at it logically, I don't see any other way that that could go. I just don't. So, specifically to the question... Would it be the greatest ever? Probably not, but it would be up there potentially, again, assuming everything goes perfectly and we're both, we're talking about two top five guys, but um, I, yeah, I'm not a historian, man. I don't know. So anyways, I'm going to put a cap on that one, but thank you very much for that question. That is, that is a really good question. And yes, it does get me very excited to think about that duo. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. 
At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. All right, let's look at free agents. And I, because I don't know how far along we're going to go before we're out of time, I want to start with the, um, I don't want to say the biggest glaring need, but maybe the most obvious in terms of need and value and supply and demand and the whole nine yards, and that's safety. There's going to be a lot of safeties. There's a lot of talent. The money isn't usually super great. I'm, I'm talking top-tier talent is in and around 10-ish million dollars. So, it, I mean, it just seems too obvious for me personally that this is something that needs to be addressed. So let's start with safety and let's look at some of the names and some of the players that um, that have been talked about. Now, obviously, when we're talking about free agents, nobody really has the comprehensive list because we still don't know which guys are going to be re-signed, and um, there's also some players that could still be cut. But this is the list that I have currently of players that are currently free agents that are not signed, um, have not been signed by their current team, or I guess people that have been cut, because I want to start with Mr. Glover Quinn, who was just recently cut by the Detroit Lions. And, and before I get into this, um, just so we're clear, I'm using Spot Rack. They've got... Um, I do like over the cap, but they have the the little market value tab. So with some players, not all of them, probably not even most of them, they can give you the market value for a player. And the reason I said around $10 million is going to be around the top, depending on how accurate this is, is LaMarcus Joyner, who I would say is maybe the top guy. I know Earl Thomas is already there, but you factor in the injury history, you factor in the age. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner is, is pretty close as far as, you know, who maybe teams would be most interested in. They have LaMarcus Joyner at 10.6. So when I said 12 as my sort of, you know, the number that I couldn't really see teams going above, I I'm I guess I'm still on that. In my mind, 12 is still sort of the top, but I'm kind of working my way off of this. Let's call it 11 because LaMarcus Joyner is 10.6. Let's say 11 is the absolute top. And then if there is a market value for a player, I'll say it. Otherwise, we'll just kind of operate off of um, unless you are super, super elite, you're not going to be anywhere near 10. Could be 5, could be even less than that. So first and foremost, Glover Quinn is not going to be worth very much. Uh, he would be a dirt cheap short-term fix if we decided to go this route. Glover Quinn is 33 years old. He's previously played for the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions. He was a fourth-round pick back in 2009. Last year, he was pulling in around $4 million. His cap number was higher, but a lot of that was, um, you know, his prorated bonus or whatever, which is money that was paid to him a long time ago. He wasn't getting that money. But his overall average was $6.5 million a year. I would be surprised if he even gets to 4 But um, anyways, in terms of his play, I had talked about it before. He's very, very up and down. He's the guy that I was pointing out when I said he's got this weird little cycle. If you look at 2012, mediocre, then good, then great. Then in 2015, mediocre, then good, then elite. In 2017, he was graded out as elite. 2018, he was pretty average. So if we follow this cycle, we got two good years coming out of him. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm talking sort of tongue-in-cheek because there's no actual reason to believe that that's what's going to happen. But it is kind of weird how he kind of goes through those ebbs and flows. In terms of what it is he does well, typically he's a very good tackler, although last year he didn't really do that very well. A decent run defender. The, the thing that, that really ebbs and flows that kind of makes the grade go that way 
is his coverage. In 2015, his coverage was horrible. In 2016, his coverage was pretty solid. In 2017, he was a, a lockdown freak in coverage. And he, he, he plays a lot of snaps. It's not like, well, he's sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad, because he only plays 140 snaps because he's injured. No, it was 956, 1,099, 1,053. Last year, 829. So he's playing. Um, as far as, as production, he hasn't really had a lot of interceptions since 2014. He had seven. Since then, it's been four, two, three, and then last year, zero. And then in terms of consistency... I will say he did end up playing better at the second half of the year, which is a good thing, especially for an older player. If it was the other way around, I'd be worried, saying I don't know if this is a guy that can hold up. But overall, we're looking at um, maybe five or six games where you say could say that he played well. Most of his games were pretty average, but he also had probably had about five or six that were not very good. So you're not getting a ton of consistency. You don't know from year to year what you're going to get. Um, I would say his floor at least in terms of his overall floor, is probably relatively high. In other words, it's unlikely he's just going to be horrible, although he is going to have terrible games. I mean, if you just look at 2018 and the way he started the year, if, if, that's, if we were to sign him and he started, that, uh, the, started his season with the Packers that way, we'd be looking at it like this is the worst signing in the history of the world because he played terribly three games in a row. So in general, sticking with my overall philosophy that we need to actually get good players, we have plenty of mediocre players that show flashes and are, are pretty garbage, I don't see any benefit to this. I would rather just roll with Tremont Williams if, if we're going to go with the Glover Quinn route. So I'm out on him. Um, he, dirt cheap, but th- this is a Ted Thompson signing. This is a dirt cheap guy that offers nothing. He's just a, another body that comes in and plays and doesn't play well. And even though he's cheap it still doesn't make any sense. You know, it's, it's like the, uh, the, the, the wife coming home, or husband, I suppose, you know, will leave it open-ended and saying, look what I got, it was only 20 bucks. And it's like, well, what is it? Well, it's, it's this, that, or the other. But, I mean, it was only, these are usually like $100. Okay, but, but you spent money on this thing, though, right? Like, money that we used to have is now gone, and we now have this thing that I don't want. Is that, is, am I getting this correctly i understand the value i I get that it's cheap but we lost money and literally gained nothing that 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 was ted thompson in a nutshell in free agency in in my opinion not of course he did some really awesome things and when he did it turned out really well which kind of just goes to show maybe if you're going to dip into free agency just dip all the way in i mean there are certain circumstances where maybe if you're looking at running back i could understand just getting somebody that's just steady but at a position like safety, no, man. Either get somebody that's really good or quit messing around. We got all the average we can handle. So anyways, I'm out on Glover Quinn. Next up, um, Kenny Vaccaro. I'm not sure if you've really heard a lot about Kenny Vaccaro in terms of people wanting him to come here. But he's one of those names that's kind of a name that people hear it and go, Oh, I know that name, so I want him. And I'll be completely honest, I am sitting here stunned that he's only 28 years old because I would have thought for sure he was like 35. Like he's been bouncing around the NFL seemingly forever. But apparently not. Um, this past year, he signed a one-year $1.5 million deal. Now this is this is what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about Glover Quinn not getting $4 million, that's why I don't think he's even going to get $4 million. When you have a 20, well, 27 at the time, former first-round pick going for $1.5 million, I mean, we, we can find some people for real cheap. Now, let me go on to say that I'm not opposed, super opposed to Kenny Vaccaro. He's not 
ultra elite top end, but he's kind of in that range where he can fill a role and not be horrible. So I'm thinking he might be able to get a little more than the 1.5 because he didn't have a terrible year. But here's essentially the issue with, with Kenny Vaccaro. He, he's going to be playing, if you get him, you better put him at strong safety. Let me put it that way. Now, obviously, if you're a, if you're a safety or a safety, you're going to play some coverage, and that's going to be a bit of a liability. He's not a great cover guy, but as a strong safety, as a, a run defender, and especially as just a really, really, really sure tackler, and I know that's kind of a lame thing, but again, look at who we have, look at the problems we have, look at how cheap this guy can be, look at how young he is. It's, it's, it's somebody I wouldn't hate having on the roster, even if it's situationally. If you want to go out and draft a guy to be a strong safety, if you want to get another guy that's a strong safety for a little bit more money, fine. But I don't really hate Kenny Vaccaro. In terms of his his consistency, he's consistently average. In terms of his overall grade from 2013 to 2018, he's average. However, in terms of his run defense, he's usually pretty solid, similar with tackling, but he's also pretty consistently poor in coverage. Now, he's, he's not usually abysmal. He's just kind of mediocre every day. So he's kind of consistent across the board. But if, if I were to quantify it here, I'm looking at, and, and 2018 was probably a little bit better of a year than, than typical, but he had probably about six above average games, three average games, and four bad games. As far as, as his tackling, however, he had about nine games that were very, very, very good and two that were bad, one that was kind of mediocre. So just about every game you're getting this this guy that's just a sure tackler. Again, not a super big need. If we don't get Kenny Vaccaro, I probably could not care very much less. But if we got him, it's one of those things where it's like, that's not bad. It's at least somebody that can do something, which is more than I can say for pretty much anybody we have at safety right now. As long as we understand his limitations, if we go throwing him out there at strong or at free safety, we have done messed up real bad. But if you're telling me $2 million or less for Kenny Vaccaro, Again, 28 years old, if we sign him to a two-year deal for, for $4 million and, and, and pack in a couple incentives in there, I don't hate that. And again, and again as, as a role, as somebody that's just there, safety's a good name because I just need you to be there to make sure that if somebody doesn't do their job, you're going to clean it up. If they're able to run the ball because our defensive line and our edge rushers and our cornerbacks and our linebackers can't get the job done, here comes Kenny Vaccaro coming downhill and he's going to smoke somebody. You got this far, and that's as far as you're going to go. I can live with that. A name that you probably have been hearing a ton about is Trey Boston. Trey Boston, I've been hearing his name a ton all over Twitter. Only 26 years old. He also just signed a $1.5 million deal. If you look at his um, at, at Pro Football Focus, he's been good pretty much every year. The biggest problem I have with him, though, is that he's he's good overall, but very, very inconsistent. So, yes, I would say he's, he's definitely heads and tails above Kenny Vaccaro, at least in terms of his upside. His coverage can be very good. His tackling isn't quite as good, but it's, it's decent. And, again, if you just look at his grades overall throughout the course of the season, that's awesome. But I'm, just, I'm really nervous about safeties that play poorly just about 50% of the time. He had seven games that were, bel- that were average or worse, and some of these were really bad. Uh, playing free safety against the Rams in Week 16. That's a critical game, man. If you're playing the Rams and he is your guy, he's your your safety, and he just completely drops the ball, I just I don't like that. 
and I know nobody's perfect. Everybody has bad games, but when we're talking about 50% of your games, where it's half the time you play really, and this is sandwiched between two amazing games. He played strong safety primarily against Atlanta. He was just out of this world. That was probably his best game of, of the entire year. The week after this against Seattle, week 17, critical game. He played out of his mind. But what happened against the Rams? If you look prior to Atlanta, there was three games in a row against the Chargers, against the uh, the Packers, and against the Lions. He was he was pretty bad in all three of those games. His first two games were really bad. His game against Kansas City, another really big game, not very good. So again, nobody's perfect, but I just I I really want to stress consistency when I'm looking at people, and I would rather have somebody that's you know good and consistent than very good, but very inconsistent. You know, very good 50% of the time, but but bad the other 50%. I just, I don't like that. And I will fully acknowledge it's hard to find people that are super consistent, but I'm, I'm still going to put a premium on it. That's all I'm saying. Next up on this list, Mr. LaMarcus Joyner. This is the fine gentleman I said that would probably cost about $10.5 million, 28 years old. He's playing free safety. He, he actually reminds me a little bit of... Kenny Vaccaro, because his, his his super big strength is going to be his tackling. He's very, very good. The The benefit of LaMarcus Joyner, and I'm just looking at 2018. In 2017, I believe he was the number one safety in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. But I'm going to consider that the outlier, because he wasn't very good in 2014, not very good in 2015. 2016, he was good, but not great. 2017, elite, best in the NFL. And then 2018, he goes back to being good, not great. So I'm looking at 2016, 2018 and kind of saying this is probably a little more what we can expect. But basically elite as a tackler, good in coverage, um, and good as a run defender, but very consistent. Um, As a tackler, he had three games in which he wasn't great. Now, granted, two of them against the Chargers and against New Orleans were pretty bad typically very, very good. If you look at coverage, he doesn't really have any games where it's like he's very, very good, which is a problem. I would like somebody that's very, very good as a free safety that's great in coverage. But I don't have, I let's see, what do I have? One, two, three, four, five games where he was below average, no games that were terrible. So, you know, when you put a premium, I don't, I don't know if I want to pay him $10 million because again, as a free safety, I want a guy that's going to be a little bit better as far as uh, getting after the ball. And when you're bringing to the table one interception, one pass breakup, and 107.5 passer rating, that's just not really doing it for me. But, again, if you want to put a premium on a guy that's going to show up every single day, in other words, he's not just going to have a bad day. He had a bad day against the Chargers. That was pretty much it. So, very, very high floor, I guess you can say. Safe prospect, relatively young, but he's probably going to be looking for a long-term contract. And, again, 10.5, I'm not doing it. You want to talk to me about 8 Maybe. 10 11? Yeah, I don't know, man. But he is an option. He's going to be one of the bigger names out there uh, for what he did with the Rams, especially what he did in 2017. It's almost a shame. I think he was franchise tagged, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. But if he would have been a free agent in 2017, he would have he would have just blown the, the, the top off the free agent market. But he, he got that franchise tag, I think. Maybe I should just stop saying that. Went back in 2018, was good not great and so now here we are so i would say i'm open to it but um again i don't really like ten and a half million dollars but it does give us a solid prospect at safety next up adrian amos i already talked about adrian amos a little bit 
personally for me, I think Adrian, if I'm going to give out $10.5 million, it's going to be to Adrian Amos. Um, I, I think between Amos and Earl Thomas, those are our t- top two prospects. Now, he doesn't provide that kind of consistency that a guy like LaMarcus Joyner does, but a lot higher top end. So, for example, in coverage last year as a free safety, he did play some strong safety, primarily played for, uh, free safety. Uh, Amos had three games where he was they were pretty bad in coverage, four games that were just barely average but three really good games and two borderline elite games, just as far as coverage goes. You look at his average NFL passer rating, if you're looking more for stats than grades, 80.9. He had three interceptions, three touchdowns, five pass breakups. Um, Also a very, very good tackler. Again, not quite as consistent, and some of these games that weren't good were really, really bad. So he had, let's see, uh, five games that weren't great. So all of his games, with the exception of five, were very, very good as far as his tackling goes. But of those five, three of them were just horrific. And then as far as his run defense, I mean, it's just, it's 50-50. But if, if we're looking to dump big money into somebody, and we don't really like Earl Thomas in terms of our concerns with his age, injuries, whatever, Adrian Amos, at 25 years old, I mean, it, 25.8, he could be 26-ish, I mean, legitimately, four or five-year contract. I mean, we're talking could be a big-money contract. And and the other thing, too, there's some concern about Vic Fangio, how much of an impact did he have, how much of it was scheme. But if you look at it, 2015 was his rookie year. He was, he was good. He was real good in run defense, good tackler, good pass rusher, just kind of average in coverage. Didn't have any uh, picks, one touchdown, two pass breakups, 117.5 passer rating. The next year, he takes a little bit of a step. He goes from average in coverage to good in coverage. Still a pretty decent tackler. Um, still a good run defender. He's just a little bit better of a prospect. 2017, number one safety in the NFL. I think I might have said that about Joyner, too, and it can't be both. So <laughs> they were both up there. I don't remember who was the best, but Adrian Amos was very, very, very good. Top five, let's just say, safety in the NFL. His coverage just, it, it was insane, 81.8. So his first two years as far as NFL passer rating, 117.5, 127.9, and then it drops to 81.8. He hasn't had a single interception in 2015-2016. He gets one. He also adds a touchdown and three pass breakups. His coverage grade is basically elite. His his pass rush, which is minimal, who really cares, is still the same. His tackling goes way up. It's, it's phenomenal. And his run defense was elite. 2018, a little bit of a drop-off, but not really. His coverage is what matters. Again, 80.9 passer rating. Still very, very good. Uh, his tackling is still solid, and he didn't go back to 2015 or 2016 numbers, although it went down a little bit. Run defense, still as good as it's always been. So, you know, if the Bears do let Adrian Amos walk, in terms of overall grades, overall production, overall statistics, it's, it's really not even close. I mean, again, at 25 years old, with, with the, the body of work and the consistency, and, and I mean year-to-year, year, not so much game-to-game, game, the year-to-year year consistency, I mean, he's if, if there's a guy that's going to be between 10 and 12, I don't know why it wouldn't be Adrian Amos. I don't know why the Bears would ever let this guy walk, but they might not have a choice. But you do run a bigger risk. Again, he is going to have bad games. Uh, week 4 against Tampa Bay, terrible game. Week uh, 6 against Miami, terrible game. Uh, against, let's see, there was a stretch here against Detroit, a pretty bad game. Against Minnesota, not a great game. Against Detroit, again, a pretty bad game. Against the Giants, not a great game. Against the Rams, not a good game. Not terrible, but just kind of like, eh, I wish it was a little more. And, and if we give this guy a big five-year contract, 
four-year contract, whatever, four-year, $40 million, you know, 45, whatever it is, with $20, $25 million in guarantees, and he comes out and he has like a stretch of six, seven average games, it, you know, you just have higher expectations. So Adrian Amos, you have top-end potential, very young, a little more inconsistency. LaMarcus Joyner, not quite as, well, I shouldn't say not quite as top-end. 2017 was amazing. And the Rams are sort of the opposite. Not to super knock their defensive coordinator, Phillips, or anything, but they don't exactly have the defense the Bears have. So if anything, you could look at it and say, well, maybe he improves under Mike Pettin. Who knows? But that's sort of the contrast you're getting. Both young, both have had success. One is more top-end, one is more consistent. Um, Moving over to Mr. Taran Matthew now. Another really big name, 26 years old. A lot of this is going to come down to how much money he wants because when I look at him, I don't see consistency year over year. Um, I mean, at at any point, he could be good at anything. And In 2015, he was phenomenal in coverage. 77.6 NFL passer rating. His grade was elite. Um, he, he's been a phenomenal pass rusher in three out of his out of his six years. His tackling is is mediocre. Run defense, I mean, three out of his six years have been very good. Two have been pretty good. One has been terrible. Um, you know, as far as how much starting time he actually gets, he hasn't really played many full seasons. The last two years he has. It's just hard to really get a gauge. And then if we look at, for example, Houston Texans in 2018, very, 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 very inconsistent. Um, I would say in in terms of his coverage grades, pretty low. And it, it's, you know, I can give you the NFL passer rating, but I'm I'm not doing, I don't want to do it as much. For example, I, I could give you week two here. Uh, wow, 39.6 passer rating. That's phenomenal, right? Well, he was targeted once. So <laughs> what, what, what do you want? It's not exactly like corners if you get targeted 15 times or something. Some of these can be artificially low. But, um, yeah, in, in terms of his ability to cover, not super great. And, and he's a strong safety, so maybe you don't want that quite as much, but to some degree you would like it. Again, four games that were pretty good. The rest are pretty average or below. Um, in terms of his ability to rush the passer, I don't know how often he did it, but he wasn't very good at it. And even as a tackler, for example, week one, very good. Week two against Tennessee, horrific. Week three, very good. Week four, horrific. Week five, very good. Week six, horrific week seven mediocre week eight very good week nine horrific Uh, week 11 very good weeks 12 and 13 below average weeks 14 uh very good week 15 really bad weeks 16 and 17 very good wild card game not good so it's it's literally every other game and you just don't know who's going to show up so again for me personally and part of the reason i'm going through this is you you can set your own thing if you if you're okay with with um, inconsistency, because because one of the things with inconsistency is if you've got 11 guys and all 11 guys play, you know, let's say three quarters of the time, they're very, very good. You, you, you've got four guys at least that are playing out of their minds. You might, might have another um, four guys that are playing pretty average, and then you got another four guys that are having a bad day, which doesn't sound great, but you also have to factor in if you have a team full of people that just aren't ever good, that the, that's not going to help you either. So I, I, I can understand having guys that, that can play really well at times, but I, I just, I don't like this. Even for like little money, this is one of those situations where it's like, what if it's, you know, three million bucks? I just, I'm not interested. I'm just not. I, I don't get it. I've never really big, been a huge fan of his. I know there's there's all this, this hype surrounding him, 
Um, maybe it's just what he, his body of work in college that, that got him hyped up. I'm not sure. But I'm just not big on it, man. Um, the, the potential is there somewhere, but I, I don't see very much upside for, for Mr. Matthew. Especially with so many low-end options. Right? I mean, if he was the only like budget option, aside from just guys that just cannot play, all right, fine, I'll take a flyer on him. But I, I'm just not interested. And, and again, you got other guys who at the very least... Uh, can tackle. You know, give me Kenny Vaccaro over over Teran Matthew any day of the week, because at least with Kenny Vaccaro, I've got you know out, out of out of a 17 game week or out of a 17 week schedule, 16 games, um, you know, 14, 13, 14 of them, he's going to be at least a solid tackler every single one of those games. Whereas with with Teran Matthew, you're getting like eight or nine. I just for a strong safety. And in a full season, you're going to give me nine games where you, you give me good tackling? Nah. Um, the second-to-last guy here, Mr. Um, Landon Collins, real big name. A lot of people super hyped up about Landon Collins. He has his market value sitting at 9.3. So, again, just to give you an idea, we're talking about easily one of the top guys, right? There's no question if he goes out there, we're talking one of the top guys. Probably not Earl Thomas top end, but he's also 25 years old. Another super, super young guy. So, um, yeah, nine-ish million, ten-ish million for Landon Collins. Again, this is this is kind of what we're talking about. Earl Thomas, Joyner, Collins, nine, ten, eleven million dollars. Um, in terms of his full body of work here, he's been pretty solid. If you look at 2016 and 2017, very, very good safety. He had a pretty good year in uh, 2018 this past year before he got hurt. Wasn't quite up to the the standards that he had had before. But you're getting that consistency. Um, when, I, when I look at his ability to cover, it's not elite, but it's good and it's consistent. If I go back to 2017, very similar. Um, I would say it's a little more volatile, but with a little more top end to it. So just running through it really quickly. Very good, good. Very good, average, average. Very good, bad, bad, average. Elite, good, 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 good. Just end of the season, just flat out, he was just good. Now, also keep in mind, Landon Collins played strong safety for the Giants. It's important because if, if we can get him to be a good strong safety and this is what he provides in coverage, kind of tough to find a lot of strong safeties that can play like that. Here's the problem, though. As strong safeties go, yeah. Just looking at 2018, you look at his run defense. Starting in week one, terrible, terrible, average, real good. Bad, average, good, average, bad, Good, good, bad. So the, I, I almost like his coverage more than I like his abilities there. Now that's 2018. 20, uh, 2017, 2016, even 2015 as a rookie, he was better in run defense. Even, you know, 2015 when he wasn't all that great overall, he was decent as, as, a, as a defender. So maybe there's some other stuff going on. Maybe whatever it is that put him on IR was lingering all year. I don't really know. And even so, you're, not, you're still not getting a ton of consistency with Landon Collins. For example, looking at 2017 when he was, I don't want to say peak, 2016 was peak, but it, it's about 50-50. Now, granted, the, the 50% is is either good to very good. The other 50% is almost all average. Not a lot of terrible. There was one game that maybe you could call terrible, two that are more or less below average, and then you got four games that were pretty average. The rest were all somewhere around good to very good. So... I, you know, it it really just depends. We're talking about a lot of risk because, again, it's going to be a long-term contract. It's going to be big money, nine to ten million bucks a year. Um, 
you know what what is going to happen he's he's technically gotten worse three years in a row depending on how you want to gauge this 2017 overall his grade was slightly higher but as a strong safety his run defense got a lot worse so I, I don't know if it's a slam dunk but I don't know if there is a slam dunk anywhere in free agency ever I think he's a good football player I know for a fact he's an upgrade to our team the only question with Landon Collins would be is he worth the money is he worth the risk and and at that a long-term risk as I've said before, there's no guarantees in the draft. You can't just say, nah, never mind, I'll just draft a guy. You don't know that you're going to be drafting a guy because you don't know who's going to be available. And if you're if you're handcuffing yourself to, I have to get a safety, you're really, really putting yourself into a bind. So I would be willing to bet the Packers are going to look long and hard at all their safety options. And I, if I had to guess, Landon Collins is at or near the top. Up there with Adrian Amos, um, LaMarcus Joyner, Possibly guys like Taran Matthew, Kenny Vaccaro, and then finally, Mr. Earl Thomas. So here's essentially the thing with Earl Thomas that, that makes him so unique. First of all, if you just look at his body of work over his career, let's just look at coverage. Here is his year-over-year coverage grade. Elite, elite, very good, elite, elite, elite. That goes back to 2013. That's insane. If you look at his run defense, it's good, 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 very good, very good. Now that's going backwards, meaning if you go correctly in time, starting at 2014 moving forward, it's very good, very good, 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 good. Overall grade, from from 2010 as a rookie on, it went average, good, good, very good, very good, very good, very good. I'm sorry, let's try that again. Average, good, good, very good, very good, elite, very good, elite, elite. Understand. <laughs> The last two years of his career have been potentially his best. Looking just at statistics, three interceptions, one pass breakup, 73.6 passer rating in 2018. That might not sound all that impressive until you realize the man played four games. He played four games and had three picks, a pass breakup, and a touchdown. His tackling in all four games were very good. Not not one game that was good, Average, below average, all good. Run defense was was good to average. And his coverage grade was elite, good, elite, and then week four was, was pretty bad. But, you know, 44 total snaps, 28 coverage snaps. We're talking about one target, one reception for 22 yards. Not that that's his entire grade. His grade is every single snap he's on. I'm just saying things can happen in a snapshot like that. But even beyond that, when you start looking at that consistency that I've been looking for, he has the top end and he has the consistency. If you look at his coverage grades in 2017, he had two games where he was below average. Two. That's it. Everything else was either average, above average, good, very good, or in the case of uh, Week 8 against Houston, elite. If you look at his tackling grade, and again, we're talking about a... 5 foot 10 202 pound free safety 8 out of his 14 games that he played in 2017 8 were very good so 50% of the times he plays he is a very good tackler 4 of those remaining games were average 2 of them were poor 2 games where his tackling wasn't on point and I, I understand my, my terminology is very biased right now because if anybody else has bad I call it trash for Earl Thomas I call it poor I'm being a little biased. But but understand, with Earl Thomas, this is what separates him. His top end is unbelievable. His consistency is unbelievable. And at 30 years old, 
I understand you're not getting the same that you're getting from a 25-year-old or a 26-year-old, but I think the the risk with Earl Thomas, and I'm not talking about injury, I'm talking about the risk of, of this being a poor signing, meaning he's going to come over here and not perform, is unbelievably low. I, I, I This is the safest bet, but it is a short-term fix. It's it's maybe you give him a two-year contract. If, if you're looking long, and, and you know, I don't mind that because overall, as much as we, we, we can call it all in, fine, but all in is always short-term anyways. I don't know if I like the idea overall of picking up somebody else's guys as long-term options anyways rather than just satisfying that through the draft. If we can't or won't or whatever do it right now, that's fine. But how about we, we pick up Earl Thomas and then we go back to the draft? And whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whatever, we, we start to build that up. I'm not ruling anything out. I'm, I'm just telling you why I really like Earl Thomas. And it, there are positives and there are negatives. You're paying big money for an older guy with an injury history, a guy that's never played out of Seattle, who's never played in a different system. Now, here's something else that just dawned on me. Mike Pettin, when he took a year off after Cleveland, he was a defensive consultant for the Seattle Seahawks. So I was about to say he's never been out of Seattle. He doesn't really this, that, or the other. Mike Pettin is familiar with what what went on over there in Seattle and helped to advise as far as their defense. So I, I don't see an incompatibility issue. So anyways, again, I'm, I'm putting out my information, my little bit of spin in there, and I'm trying to be honest about my spin. But at the end of the day, I think there's really good options. If you want long-term, we have young, talented guys we can offer big money contracts to for a long time. We also have young guys that we can offer um, you know, we could, we could do two to three year things. Um, you know, Kenny Vaccaro, I'll give you a three year contract for 3 million a year or something. I don't know why you'd want to tie him to your team for a long time. I don't know, but there's unlimited options. If you want strong safeties, if you want free safeties, if you want consistency, if you want top end, if you want young, if you want old, if you want win now, if you want whatever, whatever your flavor is, it's in this particular free agency class. I really would be beyond stunned. I would be very disappointed if the Packers didn't get a, a safety out of this group. I not only think there's a lot of safeties, but I, I when you look at it, for example, Adrian Amos, he should never, ever, ever be in the free agency market. The Bears just can't afford to keep him. They went out and got Khalil Mack and, and signed a bunch of big-name wide receivers and pay, way overpaid for their wide receivers, and now they don't have enough money to re-sign their guys like Adrian Amos. Landon Collins should not be leaving the Giants. It should not be happening, and maybe they will retain him. Maybe they will franchise him. I don't know, but but these are the kinds of situations where guys like this should never be on the market, and if they hit the market, you've got to do what you can to go get them. Earl Thomas, Adrian Amos, Landon Collins, LaMarcus Joyner, these are four guys that are, are very, very high upside prospects for the Green Bay Packers. So anyways... Those are my thoughts. Feel free to let me know your particular thoughts, uh, feelings, pick, flavor, whatever. But otherwise, you folks enjoy your Saturday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.